Father, we thank you so much that you write new stories. Thank you so much for your son, Henry, who unmistakably knows you. We thank you so much for the gift of your music. Thank you, Lord, for how you use music in our lives to awaken us, to resurrect us, to help us to see your deep love for us. And I pray now, Lord, that you would use me during this short time to communicate to my brothers and sisters how you've used music in my life and how you can use it in theirs. Thank you, Lord God, that you are a healer. Thank you, Lord God, that you are one who brings your people to you and gives them life and light. And God, we ask now that your will would be done, that your kingdom would come right here in this place as it is in heaven. We pray this all in the precious name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. So just by show of hands, how many of you like music? Can you bring the house lights up a little bit more? This is a little different location for me, so I'm having a hard time seeing people out there. Thank you very much. That's very helpful. Even a little bit more would be great. So um, the story of Henry. Henry was a catatonic. You know, um, the guy that you saw, Oliver Sacks, that neurologist there, how many of you ever saw the movie Awakenings with Robin Williams? Remember that? He used a, a do drug called L-Dopo to awake encephalitis patients. That was that doctor. That was Oliver Sacks. He's a neurologist that's been studying the brain for years and years and years. He wrote a book years ago called Music and the Brain. And he talked about the mystery, the mystery and the power of music. How often do you listen to music? How often do you allow God to use music in your life? And the question is, are you hearing God's music? Because God is the greatest composer there ever was. Do you know the scripture says that God rejoices over you with singing? He quiets you with his love. But there's some mystery that what you participated in this morning, when you sang and you heard music this morning, music lights up your brain, neurologists say, in a way that nothing else does. There are all kinds of neural pathways and networks that start firing. They say when you hear music, it's like a fireworks show starts growing off on your brain. God created you that way. And God used music in Henry's life to awaken him from a place of catatonia to a place of lucidity, to be able to have a conversation, to be able to sing a Cab Calloway song. Wasn't that precious? How many of you actually remember Cab Calloway? Yeah, that's got to be the little bit the older crew, right? That's got to be the... But today, um, we're going to continue in our series. Um, in week seven, we have one more week left, and I want to kind of stop here and mark last Sunday evening. How many of you were here with us Sunday evening? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Now, some of you came up to us after that experience and said, why can't Sunday morning be more like this? So we went back to team and we prayed and we said, okay, so next Sunday we're going to do what we did Sunday night. Hallelujah. So those of you who were there, please be ready to lead us in that experience. We don't know how the Spirit's going to work, but we're going to trust the Lord to create an environment of freedom where we can actually rejoice in spirit and in truth. And we're praying that's true today and every day in your life. Um, today, we continue in this series with this word, zamar, which is making music for God's glory. Remember, we defined worship this way, a passionate and loving response to the reality of who God is and who we are in Him. And we've gone through most of these seven words now. We have one more next week, tehillah, which means to sing. This week, I'm going to teach you a little bit about zamar, and I'm going to teach you some about tehillah, because really, in essence, they mean the same things. 
And that may sound strange to you because zamar is defined as to pluck or praise the strings of an instrument to sing to praise. That, that seems a little weird. I mean, David says um, in, in the Psalms, I will sing to you with my harp. Well, that doesn't mean he's singing while he's playing in the harp. That means his harp is singing. Let me help you understand what that means. It means that when you pluck a string, it actually sings. Every instrument imitates the human voice. Well, maybe except the drums, the instrument that Andrew plays. Every other instrument, every other instrument actually imitates the human voice. So if you listen to somebody play the clarinet, uh, the human voice is being imitated in the clarinet. Same when I'm going to play the piano for you today. I'm imitating the human voice. And so when you speak, when you say something, say Shabak. Well, yeah, there is. somebody said that really loud. Your vocal cords are vibrating because your vocal cords are strings. And what happens is when vibration happens is the vibration actually picks up a medium. The medium is your vocal cords and it actually vibrates into the air. And when you hear that vibration, what happens is the vibration moves through the air and it comes to your eardrums. It moves through the medium to your eardrums and it causes your eardrum to vibrate. And then you go, oh, I can hear that now. And your brain processes those signals in nanoseconds. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are a walking miracle. And if you don't know that about you, you need just to sit and look at your hand for a while. Go ahead, look at your hand. Say this, what in the world am I? Did you ever just stop to contemplate your own existence and wonder, how did I get here? And what am I? What am I, God, that you would be noticing of me? What am I, God, that I'm made so fearfully and wonderfully that I send signals from this brain, this, this couple-pound thing you put on my shoulders, and I can move my fingers? That's a miracle. But if that's a miracle, music, music in and of itself is even a greater miracle because God designed you for music. Now, God is the one who created music. You have to understand this out of the gate. He is the greatest musician there ever was and ever will be. I told you that the scripture says God rejoices over you with singing. He quiets you with his love. Do you know that Jesus sang hymns with his disciples? Look it up. It's in the scripture. But God is the author of all things creative. So when we paint a painting... We're just painting after the greatest painter there ever was. Did you stop and look at the sunset in the last week? Did you go, oh my gosh, you're an incredible artist. Have you stopped and listened to birds chirp recently? He's an amazing musician. You see, God is the composer and creator of all things, and we are just recreators after him. So whenever you look to a musician or an artist with a great sense of mystery and intrigue, never stop at that artist. Go back to God. You see, whenever you say to someone, boy, you're amazing, never forget that God is the one who gave them that amazing gift. God is the gift giver. And we never want to worship the gift, only the gift giver. So God created music. It's clear in his word that he tells us how we're to use music. Please read this scripture with me out loud, please, from Psalm 150. Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heavens. Praise him for his acts of power. Praise him for his surpassing greatness. 
Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and lyre. Praise him with the timbrel and dancing. Praise him with the strings and the pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Amen. So God said, look, I want you to use music to praise and glorify me. And any other purpose falls short of God's creative design for music. Now, I know that we listen to lots of different types of music. I want to talk today about God's music and the way that God designed music. Musical tones are kind of like bricks. You see, a note in and of itself is just inherently a note. It's just a sound. It's not good or evil. It's just a sound. God created it. It's good. So no notes in and of themselves can be evil. It's the intent of the man or woman's heart behind the notes that matters. I always tell the people, I can take a brick and I can build a church with it. And I can take a brick and I can throw it through somebody's window. It's still a brick. It's the intent of the person that uses the brick that matters. So God has intention in his heart for how music is to be used. And it has been used to praise him, and then it has secondary uses after that for us as we follow him. I want you to understand a definition first and foremost of music. Mucus, mucus, not mucus, mucus. (laughs) I've had a little bit of a cold, so maybe mucus is on my mind. I'm so sorry. Let's talk about mucus another time. Today we'll talk about music. Music is organized sound for the purpose of communication all for the glory of God. Say that with me. Music is organized sound for the purpose of communication, all for the glory of God. You see, God is a God of order. He is the ultimate creator, and he is the one who actually created music. Now, I want to take you back to the very beginning where I think the first music known to man happened. I want you to go with me for a second because music is organized sound for the purpose of bringing glory to God. Now, in in the beginning of this book that we read, the word of God in Genesis 1, it doesn't say, and God acted, and God moved his arm, and God kicked the planet Earth into place. It said, and God said, he spoke. This is the first reference to ever a vibrating body, actually something that audibly could be heard. God speaks. You see, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the spirit of the God was hovering over the face of the waters. You have to understand that Father God is there in the beginning, God, then the spirit of God is hovering over the deep, and then God spoke. Who is the word of God? Jesus Christ. So we have the Trinity right here present in fellowship with himself at the very beginning. And it says, and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let there be firmament. And then God said, let the waters under the heavens. And then God said, let the earth bring forth glass. And God said, let there be lights. And God said, let the water abound. Nine times in Genesis, the scripture says that God spoke. Now, I don't know what God's vocal cords look like. But I can tell you this, he's left his voice print on everything that he's spoken into existence. You have fingerprints. You also have a voice print. Do you know this, that if you actually speak into a recording, people can actually pick up your voice print and identify you uniquely among the millions of people that actually inhabit this planet. 
You also have a fingerprint. You're unique. God's voice print is unique, and he uses it to actually create sound. You've got to allow me to geek out on you for a few minutes. Can I do that, please? I am a musical geek. I started playing piano when I was two years old. I um, got the piano. My mom, my mom was a just dear saint of a woman. She had her warts for sure, but she had lots of strengths. And I remember when I first sat down at the piano in our living room, it was a little Hammond spinet piano. And uh, she said, now, Jeff, you always have to treat this with gentleness because this is sacred. My mom taught me reverence. Now, I think reverence is lost often in our culture. She knew that somehow music was a gift from God. She's told me that all the time. But she said, you must always be gentle and reverent here. This is a place to be reverent. So as a child, even at two years old, I never banged on the piano. I just sat and played. Now, I found out at two years old that I could play on the black keys, and it always sounded good. Listen. It's called the pentatonic scale. And you can play on the black keys all that you want, and it's never going to sound harsh to your ear. So I started as a two-year-old playing on the black keys, and then I started forming what's called harmonic resonance in my ear, and I started transferring things to the white keys, and I started composing when I was like two and a half. And my mom took me to a teacher, and the teacher looked at me and she said, he can't even read. Like, I don't even know what I'm supposed to do with him. I have no clue. <laughs> so my mom took me back home, and then I started with the teacher when I was five. But my mom gave me the gift of a piano. God gave me the gift of music. And music was used by God to save me. I want you to understand that music is this incredible gift from God that allows you to express and connect with what you feel. Emotions in evangelical culture a lot of times get a bad rap. They always go, well, it doesn't matter what you feel. Can I tell you something? It does matter how you feel. God cares about the state of your soul. But most of the time, he wants you to bring what you feel all the time. He wants you to bring what you feel to him so that he can tell you and show you what you're thinking because what you think determines how you feel. So God says, be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Take every thought captive to him. So as a child, and I grew up in a dysfunctional family. How many of you grew up in a dysfunctional family? Look, if you're breathing, raise your hand. Look, I know there are some beautiful family expressions out there, and I'm in one, but Tracy and I often lament about the way that we have been dysfunctional. And in my family growing up, um, by the grace of God, we've, we've done a good job by the grace of God, but we've blown it. And if you're not aware that you've blown it as a parent, please go talk to someone. Get it, get it, get it out there. You, you've blown it. But in my family, we practiced a set of oppressive rules and this is, a, this is kind of the definition of a dysfunctional family, a system that practices a set of oppressive rules that inhibit the free expression of thought and emotion. It's a system that practices oppressive, oppressive rules that inhibit the expressive, the free expression of thought and emotion. So if you're in a system where you think, I can't say that. Now look, you're not supposed to say everything you think. You're supposed to be taught to be respectful. And you have to communicate your emotions in a way that, that they can be heard. But it's okay to feel angry. 
It's okay to feel sad. Jesus felt all these things and expressed them fully. So as a child, I was in a family where I couldn't get angry. I was in the family where only mama could get angry. Anybody in that family? You don't want to raise your hand because mom's sitting next to you. She'll slap you. <laughs> but I could go to the piano. And I could get angry. See what I'm saying? I could go to the piano and get sad. So I could feel. See, I could feel. And God longs to use music to help you wake up. You see, the scripture talks about us having lost all sensitivity. We give ourselves over to every form of sensuality. The scripture says that you were made to feel, and God wants to awaken you to your emotions. Part of the reason why we're not more passionate in the body of Christ is because so many of us are numb in the body of Christ. And God wants to awaken us to the emotions that he gave us. If you felt more of the holy frustration that God puts on your heart, you could do more for the kingdom of God because nothing could stop you in the spirit of God. But so many of us are numb, and so God wants to use music to wake us up to who we are in him. Now, let me talk to you a little bit about how strings vibrate. This is where I'm going to geek out for a while, okay, so bear with me. Some of you, like three, three minutes through this thing, you're going to be like, what the heck is he talking about? So strings. A string is a vibrating body. Right now, you are listening to a vibrating body. It's my vocal cords. I'm controlling that from my brain in some mystery, just incredible mystery. that I, My synapses are firing right now. They're sending signals down to my vocal cords. My vocal cords are vibrating. This vibration is moving through the ear, uh, air. Your ear drum is vibrating. You're picking that up, and you're translating it in like nanoseconds. Amazing. Your brain is the most amazing computer there ever was. Now, strings, when they vibrate, though, in this piano, if I play a low string, that's a very long string. If you were to look in this piano, it's very long, and it vibrates at about 40 to 50 hertz, which means it's about cycles per second. Up here, this string is very short. That vibrates at thousands of times per second. So the faster a vibrating body, the higher the pitch. But when I play this note, you're not just hearing C. That's a C. But you're hearing an infinite set of pitches above that that are unknown to you. That's called the overtone series. And it was discovered by this guy named Pythagoras. Pythagoras was a genius. He also loved God. And he discovered this thing called enharmonic equivalence and this whole idea of overtimes. That when we actually plucked a string, it vibrated at what was called the, the original pitch or the primary pitch. But then it divided in half. And then it divided in half again. And then it divided in half again. And all of these other pitches were vibrating above that one pitch. Let me try and show you what I mean by this. I'm going to press down a note here. No, oops, with no sound. I'm just doing that so the string can vibrate freely. And I'm going to hit a note below it. You hear that? Can you hear it? What I did was, 
I hit a note lower than it, and because this note is a part of that, it caused that one to vibrate. And this is a miracle because when strings divide and divide and divide, it creates God's design for music. Some of you um, know some of this already. If I were to take all those vibrations at once that are happening, it looks like that. And it's incredibly beautiful. And when strings vibrate, they function according to this thing called the Fibonacci series and the golden mean. Now, Fibonacci did not create the Fibonacci series. All Fibonacci did was discover the Fibonacci series, and then they put his name on it. It should really be called God's voice print. Because the golden mean and the Fibonacci series are two mathematical equations that we can apply to pitch and the way things sound, and it fits and works perfectly. Now let me tell you something, it's not just about sound that works that way. Leaves and trees grow according to the Fibonacci series. You can take the same mathematical equation that you apply to a Bach fugue and to the way that a string vibrates and you can put it on an armadillo when it's rolled up in a ball. And it's still the same exact mathematical equation. What we see in nature fingerprints, snail things, hurricanes, and even an anglefish ovary. That's that left corner thing. I just thought I'd pop that in there. Isn't that weird? That's an anglefish ovary in the lower left-hand corner. It fits the Fibonacci series. It's designed like a string vibrates. Now look, if you're geeking out with me here, you're seeing what I'm talking about. If you take our solar system, it fits the Fibonacci series. If you take the galaxies, you ever see those swirling galaxies pictures? They fit the Fibonacci series. And God said, let there be light. Do you understand God's fingerprint and voice print is on everything he made? And he is the greatest musician there ever was or ever will be. Now, this is a series of pictures. How many of you read music? Just by show of hands. All right, it's more than I thought maybe. So you can probably be familiar with this grand staff, but I'm just going to tell you, when I hit one note, these are all the notes that are vibrating simultaneously. All of these notes are actually vibrating simultaneously. What I want you to know, though, is that God made this note to vibrate with this note, to made vibrate with this note, this note, and this note, and this note. Listen. God created something called tonality. That means this sounds good together. You hear that? pleasant to the ear. It sounds better than this. Right? Yeah. So when we discovered what's called tonal music, we didn't make it up. God made it up. We just discovered it. Now listen to what else he did. He made all these pitches work together in such a way, and the last pitch towards the end of this number, 15, is this note. That's called leading tone. Let me understand what leading tone does. Leading tone sets you up for a sense of resolution. It's longing for to hear home. Listen, you want to go here, right? I'm going to play you a C major scale. You want to hear it, right? Listen again. Um. (laughs) 
That's called the home note. Say that. The home note. In tonality, in the music that you listen to the vast majority of time, there's one note that acts as center to all of the other pitches. And that note has the greatest feeling of finality or resolution. It's home. We didn't write that. God wrote that. God wrote that into the DNA of sound. It's his voice print. And he's saying, one day you'll be home. Now, it says that all of creation is groaning. Can I tell you something? This is crazy. But most physicists and those that are scientists, they've been trying to discover what the most base, base part of molecular structure is of matter. They want to know what the most base element of matter was. It's not the atom. They had to go actually beyond that. And they found something called strand theory. You know what strand theory is? That all matter is made up of tiny vibrating strings. That everything is vibrating. And the scripture says, and all of creation groans for God. You see, I think one day, one day, we will be fully resolved in Jesus Christ. In this day, we get many resolutions. But see, God continually points us towards home through the music that we listen to. And he says, I want you to know something. I am writing a song just for you. And I'm singing this over you all the time. Can you hear it? There's many things that will drown out the music in our lives. I, um, I've gone through a lot of years myself of struggling with having music drowned out in my life. You see, as a kid, this was given to me as a gift. And as a gift, um, and it wasn't necessarily a fault of the people around me, but it was exploited. Like, at five, I was performing publicly. At 11, I won my first piano uh, competition playing the Greek piano concerto with an orchestra in Philadelphia. At 12, I played that there, and I toured Europe when I was 15. And all that sounds very, very glamorous. But you know what happened? Is I attached my identity to music. I was Jeff, the piano player. And so when I played well, it felt pretty good. When I played poorly, I didn't feel good at all. Because my identity was not based on my relationship with God. And I had made music... My God. And so a lot of people would point out and say, oh my gosh, you're so gifted. And inside, I was a mess. I was an absolute mess. And so I did my master's at Peabody Conservatory of Music. I did most of my doctorate at Peabody Conservatory of Music. And I always say, Peabody makes great musicians and great mental patients. I, I was both. <laughs> I was a product of perfectionism. I was a product of pressure and being under a microscope all the time. Can I tell you something? It's easier for me to speak to you than it is for me to play for you. Because I'm still working that stuff out by the grace of God. And by the grace of God, I'm working it out. And by the grace of God, the devil didn't win. Amen? Amen. But I'd ask, are you able to hear the music of God? Are you able to hear the music of God? Because first and foremost, you'll know that the purpose of that music is for praising him. But it will also help you hear him better. Music is a medium that God uses to speak to you. I know this to be true, but I also know it to be true scripturally and personally. Look, Elisha was a prophet. Do you know this story? And I won't get too deeply into it, but in 2 Kings, three kings come to him because their armies were brought together for Israel to actually attack, and they ran out of water in the desert, and they're like, well, which prophet's going to talk to us for God? We need to hear from God. Did he call us here in vain? Like, what's going on? So they go to Elisha. 
And Elisha says this, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives, whom I serve, if I did not have respect for the presence of King Jehoshaphat, king of Israel, I would pay no attention to you. But he's saying because Jehoshaphat's here, I will listen to God for you. Now listen to the very next thing he says. Now bring me a harpist. Isn't that a little weird? He goes, okay, I'm going to listen to God for you. Now quick, bring me a harpist. Do you know that God speaks to you through music? Question is, first and foremost, are you listening to God's music? Now look, I listen to all kinds of music. I have a bike upstairs, an exercise bike, and I work out on that. And because I'm a Peloton guy, I tune into their things. And you know what I love? I love listening to 70s rock and 80s rock and all that stuff. Anybody like rocking? I love that. It's awesome. But look, Alice Cooper is not going to do for you what Jesus Christ wants. By the way, Alice is a believer. Do you know that? He's a believer. But I listened to this, some of the stuff that I used to listen to. When I was a keyboard. I was like, when I was a teenager, I was like, oh my gosh. I get ashamed. Do you remember Meatloaf? <laughs> oh my gosh. Paradise by the Dashboard Light? That thing was not classy at all. That was a, that was a train wreck. Right? I mean, so, and I'm, I'm sitting there singing these, these lyrics as a teenager, and I'm like, I don't even know what they mean. And now I'm listening to them, I'm like, I'm, I'm turning red. Folks, you got to understand, there's all kinds of music. It's like a brick. You can use it to build a building. You can use it through somebody's through window. It's still a brick. But how are you glorifying God by what you're listening to? You must listen to God's music. See, God's music is music that is infused with the very spirit of God. All the tones come from him. They were his idea. But when you listen to God's music, you need to listen to what he's saying while you listen. So it's not just, oh boy, that was a beautiful piece of music. You need to ask God, what are you saying to me now? What are you saying to me now? Um, I was blessed this week to actually dial up uh, Lauren Daigle singing on the Ellen Show. Anybody see that? Lauren Daigle is a beautiful witness for the glory of God. She loves Jesus. and It's apparent in the way that she sings. And she got on the Allen Show. And she's rocking out this song called Still Rolling Stones. He's still rolling stones. He's still rolling stones in my life. He pulled me up from the grave and she's singing all these lyrics that are about Jesus. And Ellen and the whole audience is rocking out with her. And then Ellen gives a disc of hers to the entire audience and they, go, they explode. In, in, and I go, does she even know she's spreading the gospel right now? <laughs> I don't know. But can I tell you something this week? I have been listening to Lauren sing the words of God to my soul. Some of the songs that are touching my wife and I in ways in which we're just like, thank you, Lord Jesus. Praise you, God, for being my salvation. Folks, you not only need to listen to music, but you need to listen to what God is saying to you. You need to be like Elijah. Now, quick, bring me a harpist. I want to hear from God. And so... One of the greatest ways to memorize scripture is by listening to music that truly is the word of God. You know this song? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So when you learned that song, you were learning the word of God. 
But can I tell you something? When you sing the word of God, it goes from your head to your heart really fast. You see, because singing incorporates then God's physics, his acoustics. And, and when we hear from God, he longs to speak to us in powerful ways through music. Here's another point. God uses music to fight evil in your life. So God created music for his glory. It's for his praise. It's his idea. It's his music. It's all his music, really. But then, you know, we twist it and contort it when we make it about us and when we make it worldly. But not only that, then, now we can hear from God through music, but not only that, he uses music to dispel evil forces in your life. You see, God in inhabits the praises of his people. And when God comes in his Shaganic glory, when he manifests his presence, evil has to flee. If you don't know this, you really need to learn who lives inside of you. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you need to know that the one who lives inside of you is far more powerful. He's far greater than the one who's in the world. And when you praise God in song, and when you actually allow God to use music in your life in this way, it can dispel evil. If you go to the Old Testament, there's a story in 1 Samuel 16, 23. It's of David and Saul. And you know, Saul wasn't a good king. He didn't respect and honor God. And yet David was a king anointed to take Saul's place. But right after David is anointed, the first thing he does, he goes to Saul. Why? Because Saul is being tormented by a demon. Now, if you read this story, I want you to understand something. It'll say, this evil spirit from God. I've wrestled with that. I really think what that means is God allowed this evil spirit because God is never the source and origin of evil, right? God does not tempt. God is never the source of evil. And so this spirit, God allowed to haunt Saul. Why? Hopefully to bring Saul to a place on his face where he'd cry out to God. But what happens is Saul calls for a harpist. There it is again. He calls for a musician. And he says, quick, bring me a musician. And so they find David. They go, this, 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 this guy, he, he can play harp really well. So they bring him in and it says, um, whenever the spirit from God came on Saul, David would take up his lyre and play. That's a stringed instrument. Then relief would come to Saul. He would he feel better and the evil spirit would leave him. So music can be used by God to dispel evil from your life. I don't know about you, but there are days that I get soul sick. Anybody say amen to that? You get soul sick, right? Why so downcast, oh my soul? Put your hope in God. And I would encourage you to go to God in prayer, to go to God in his word, but go to God in his music. Because God can use music in your life in a very, very powerful way to dispel those forces of evil that want to haunt you that want to oppress you and push you down. You see, this is what God longs for us to know, that all music belongs to him, and he longs to use it in our lives in such a way that we glorify him, and he brings healing to us. So what I want to do now is I want to play for you um, a song that I wrote, and this is kind of hard for me to do, so please be praying for me um, as I do this. Um, this is a little song I call, wrote, called Wonder, and it's on my first album. Um, some of you guys asked me on Facebook to bring my albums. There are some out at the Welcome Center if you want, but this is on my first album. And this song I, I wrote because I was wondering and in awe about who God is. And I, um, 
I'm always just so blown away by how beautiful he is and how small I am and yet how much he loves me. Now, this is an instrumental piece of music. There's no words to this. So one of the things I'd encourage you to do is if you feel so called, you can just close your eyes when you're listening and let God speak to you. Let God speak to you. I, I'll tell you, he's probably going to tell you a little story. I, and I know this, he's going to tell you that he loves you if you listen. But he might say other things to you. I don't know. I just know that he uses music in powerful ways. And so I'm going to play this little song called Wonder For You. Lord Jesus, I ask now that you would use me according to your will and your purpose for your people. And I thank you so much for the gift of music. Enable my fingers and my soul in Jesus' name.
I'm going to ask the worship team to come back out and lead us in one song. And, and while they're coming out, would you just join me? Um, do you remember that little song? We just sang it a few minutes ago. Can you sing it with me? Can you stand? Here we go. Seek ye first the Father, thank you so much for your faithfulness to us today. We praise you for the gift of music for all that you've intended it to be. And Lord, we ask that you'd use it in our lives powerfully. First of all, to bring glory to your name, but after that, Lord Jesus, to hear from you and to chase away the forces of evil that so easily want to haunt us. We thank you, Lord God, that you who live in us is greater than he who lives in the world. We pray this all in the precious name of the one who gave everything, the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen. amen. Let's worship together.